barbarians, and welcome to Alone and Unprepared in Waterdeep. This is Rainy. I'm Santiago. And this is sort of our recap slash intro episode, since this is a new series on the channel. So this is a game where we modify Waterdeep Dragon Heist to be a solo adventure. And not only do we do that, but we do it with little to no prep. Kind of on the fly. And, and that keeps it fresh, I think. Yeah, the idea behind the game, and we'll get a little bit into it, is really just to show that gaming doesn't need to be complicated to be fun. You, you can just play. I mean, it's really accessible at this point. It's almost, a, I hate to say, almost like a board game. It's, it's, it's akin to a board game in that sense, that it's accessible. Pick it up, put it down, take up where you left off. So originally, and the reason we don't have kind of what we're going to be talking about already recorded, is that this solo game that we were running was just a for funsies game. It's something that we did offline um, because we could do it in short sessions if we wanted to, when we had a few extra minutes and just wanted to play something together. And since we weren't doing any prep, we could, you know really stretch some of our skills and practice silly voices and practice improv and all that fun stuff. We could just really have fun with it and, and really explore the creative space, which is an outlet I, I wanted in terms of a role-playing game. But getting through kind of the first little section that we did, what we realized is that it's actually a pretty fun game and we wanted to share it with you, especially since we've found a pretty decent way so far. I mean, we haven't gotten very far into it, but we found a good example of taking something that's a pre-written adventure, so you don't have to spend the time to write it yourself, and adjust it very easily so that you can play it even if you don't have a big group. You have a roommate, you have one random friend on the internet, like you have an SO, you can make this work. Which is really nice because coordinating schedules with everyone's lives can be difficult, as I'm sure we all know. So coordinating with just one other person, especially if they live with you, can be a lot easier. Right. So what we're going to do with this little recap episode is we are going to talk through what's happened so far. So that in the first real episode, which will be coming out shortly, you are up to speed. Yeah, we don't want people to be lost. What, what's happening? Who's that guy? Why ain't this bitch talking? Stuff like that. Yeah, so things to keep in mind for this one and why it's a little bit different than our fireside stories. Um, this is a campaign length game, so it'll be more than a few episodes long. Um, but we'll alternate sort of a fireside run and then a few campaign episodes and kind of break it up that way so you always have something that's kind of your speed to listen to. The other thing to keep in mind is since this is a high improv, low prep game, it's also a low editing game. Uh, what you hear is pretty much what happens at the table and it's not, you know, super produced or fancy. It's really like you're listening in to a game that we're playing because that's what it is. All right. So before we get too far into it, let's talk a little bit about your character and then I'll talk about what we're doing to help your character not die. 
Sounds good. So go ahead and introduce us to your lovely little rogue. So this is a character that I've wanted to play for a long time. So when, when Rainy proposed, like, hey, let's see if we can do a game just for funsies, completely offline, no pressure, it'll just be awesome. I, I immediately jumped on it because I was like, man... I have wanted to get back to playing a rogue in D&D for a, a while now. And I've had an idea for a, a female goblin rogue, uh, like a city goblin, a rogue in the city as a goblin uh, and her plight and her struggle being like a minority in a minority in the big city and and it managed to like to to thrive really under those circumstances so that character concept came to fruition in my female goblin rogue like a boss oh that's not a descriptor that's her name yeah her like name a boss like <laughs> her last name is boss right um and do you remember why she's in Waterdeep? i i actually i don't All right so like a her background is that she's a bounty hunter. And so she originally came to Waterdeep um, following up on someone that she was pursuing and was successful in that, made some friends and allies along the way. And at this point where we started our game, Laika was still in Waterdeep but didn't actively have a job. And so if something didn't turn up, she was probably going to head back out of the city. Because it's not where she's from or anything like that. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And so we kind of enter the game with her having some celebratory drinks at the bar with her friends after completing this mission that she had been on before that we didn't play through because that's just part of her background. Yeah, that's kind of where she ended up. All right. So at this point, Laika is level one. So there's not a lot for you to tell us about her, but is there anything notable that you would like to share about her as a character? So I really like this character. Normally, as you know, I'm not super precious with my characters. I'll put a lot of effort into their uh, backstory and design and then play them with this sort of reckless abandon, kind of like if you remember um, the guy in our... um, was it the first Call of Cthulhu one where I had to like full back the bundle of dynamite and chuck it at the like oh, post yeah. or something like that? And there's like no way I should have lived through that. <laughs> but so that's true. So like that. But I have I, I have invested the same amount of time and effort into Laika, but I also just really fond of her. So while I think I'll still play with the same reckless abandon, I I don't. Oh man, I have more emotionally invested in her because I just think she's super cool. Um, the first thing that's notable notable about her is she's a weird looking goblin for Dungeons and Dragons because she has a very small nose and a very wide mouth with two rows of tiny, almost you know, needle like sharp teeth on the top and bottom, and her eyes um, glow with this. Uh, preternatural yellow sheen to them from uh, spending so much time underground and so on. And I really like her voice that that I've come up with her. I enjoy doing that. 
and her, her bonds and her ideals and her flaws are all really cool. Um, what I like most, I think, um, are her ideals is that she's fiercely loyal to her friends and everyone else can fuck off. And, uh, that's how her neutrality manifests itself. It's her and her crew and that's what she's all about. And she also has, she's a very good, uh, fast talker, a very good, um, deceiver. She's good at, you know, insight and, and perception and stuff like that. But she has a tell that reveals when she's lying and that is really cool and comes up pretty frequently because she lies a lot. So she's almost constantly doing this. So yeah, your goblin is definitely a little bit more, for those of you familiar with the aesthetic of Pathfinder goblins, she looks a lot more like a Pathfinder goblin than a traditional Dungeons and Dragons Ferunian goblin. Um, she's Dorbs. Uh, patrons, you've already seen a picture of her in our sneak peek on our Patreon page. All right, anything else you want to say about her to give people the insight? Uh, that's really all there is to it. I okay. mean, she's your your fairly standard, um, you know, rogue at this point. Right, it's level one. You know, yeah. she's level one, so she has all the rogue accoutrements that you uh, that you would expect. And uh, she has other little things that she gets from, you know, being a goblin and being small in size and so on. So, but other than that, she's just fairly standard. I love her stats. I love everything we picked about her. She's just a, she's just a blast to play and a, a whole lot of fun to inhabit personality wise. So, um, other than that, yeah, she's just super cool. All right. Hold on. I have to throw a sock at the dog because she's snoring really loud. Right. <laughs> Sorry. What the hell is that? So if you guys heard snoring, it's not us being mouth breathers. It's our dog. One of them. Just blame it on the dog, man. She's snoring her, her <laughs> butt off over there. Not anymore, hopefully. So obviously you're one player in a campaign that's written for a standard party. So there's a couple of things that I'm doing to make sure that you can still have fun and play through the story without just being immediately murdered. And to be fair, we haven't done a ton of combat yet to know for sure that this works. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to figure it out together. I'm just going to be, and I, I think, like I said, I'm going to be a little more careful because of that. You know, we're testing this out here. And like I say, usually I just play characters with this reckless abandon, rush right in, jump off a cliff, rooftops, whatever. Let's see what happens. Worst case scenario. Oh no, your character dies. Boo-hoo. I made this character specifically so that I could test the, be a little more careful, a little more conservative play style so that we can see if the adjustment functions as intended. So one of the things that I'm doing kind of out of the gate is for when there are encounters where there's a large group of enemies, I functionally cut them in half XP wise. So I will pare down the number of baddies that are there. And if it's a boss fight, then I'll do some adjustment to abilities and HP just to make sure it's not impossible. So that's kind of the standard thing that any DM would likely do if they had a smaller than normal group. The second thing that we're doing 
is that there is kind of this bank of NPCs that you, Santiago, can choose from to accompany you to different areas of your adventure. And so these aren't the dreaded DMPCs. They really are just NPCs, um, but they are NPCs that Laika has a relationship with. So they are allies that she's made along the way in getting to Waterdeep as part of her background, and that she now has some sort of relationship with that she can call upon when she's in need. And the main ones that we have kind of in the roster so far are we have Scratch Lone Hop, who's actually with Laika right now at this point in the story, uh, who is a Kenku Druid. Scratch is um, very fun, um, kind of healy focused and um, it's very fun to mimic Laika's voice <laughs> because <laughs> Kenkus have mimicry. They don't have their own voice for speaking. And so um, Scratch is fun because it's like a mix of different voices from their past to make up the things they're trying to communicate. I get a very Bumblebee vibe from him. Yeah, so that sort of idea. Yeah, for pretty sure. pretty cool. All right. Um, there's also a storm sorcerer named Shan Mapwright. Um, she is someone who grew up on the sea, um, has kind of settled in water deep with her mother as her mother's gotten older, and is kind of working with you as she tries to make some money to fund her mother's shop. And then, for those of you who have listened to our Eberron run, we have the return of Deke, now known as Deke the Penitent. Um, he has somehow showed up here, out of his normal realm, and he showed up as an artificer. So we are using the Unearthed Arcana, you know, unofficial playtest rules for the class. Um, but so far, the build is really cool, and we'll see how he ends up in the game, because he's not quite in there yet. The other thing that you guys will see is we do have our first patron NPC in the works. And when that one's done, that NPC will be part of the ongoing roster as well. Cool. So, without further ado, let us get into sort of what's happened in the adventure already. So our game started in a tavern, as many games do. And this happens to be the Yawning Portal. It's a very famous tavern in Waterdeep, uh, named for the structure in the center of the common room, kind of what the tavern's built around, which is this giant hole down into the dark um, where adventurers, the brave ones, the stupid ones can be lowered to try to find their fortune amidst, amongst the tunnels and dungeons of the kind of ancient hollows below the city. That's not what this adventure is about right now. Right now, it was about Laika and her friends, um, Shan and Scratch were both there, um, having a drink with you at the Yawning Portal after your successful bounty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm -hmm. Now, um, the Yawning Portal Tavern. The Yawning Portal. The Yawning Portal. Mm -hmm. um, you showed me a picture of it, I think, or like an illustration. Yes. Maybe a fan had done that has like uh, 
Matt Mercer sitting no, in the that's corner. The, the official that's, picture in that's, the book. That's the official picture in the book. Okay. Yeah. So that was really cool. So I'd recommend looking that up if you're interested because that was pretty cool. Yeah. there. Uh, it's a really fun, super cartoony, like cut diagram of the yawning portal with all its levels because it's quite tall. There are many mm-hmm. floors kind of looking down yeah. at this well in the center of the building. Uh, and it has a lot of like little fan favorites and stuff like that thrown in there, sprinkled about. Yeah, it's a, it's a where, Where's Waldo game of finding all your favorite shit in it. Yeah, and it so really it was, it was a lot of fun. Like, <laughs> oh, it's a mind flare. Holy shit, that's Matt Mercer. And like, yeah. All that stuff. It was no, cool. Matt Mercer is canon in D&D now, so <laughs> there's that. That is crazy. Right? Man. All right. So the Yawning Portal is not known to be like a fine establishment or anything like that. It's not... It's not a shitty place to be. It's just that it can be a little raucous because it's very adventurer focused. It's owned by an ex-adventurer who made his fortune down in those same depths, those self-same depths uh, at the bottom of that well. Um, And it is adventurer friendly. So it tends to get a little, a little lit, a little heated. And on this night, um, one of your kind of new friends in Waterdeep, Yagra, she is a half orc um, in the in the tavern. And you, she's been one of your contacts because she has some connections with the underworld of Waterdeep. And you note as you're having your your drinks and your snacks um, that she gets into a fight with this group that's come into the tavern. They are dressed in similar colors, um, similar styles, and the one who seems to be in the lead has these tattoos or paints of eyes all over his bald head. Basically a biker gang. Yeah, I mean, that is the, the feeling that you got from it. And so his sort of fellows sort of stepped back a little bit from him as he starts to engage with Yagra. And, and you hear kind of everything turn into chaos. Do you remember what happens next? Um, didn't I intervene on her behalf to help her out? You did. You kind of parkoured your way through the crowd because you're very small. Mm-hmm. You kipped up onto one of the wooden support beams, um, landed on the neck of one of the cohorts that was about to enter the fray, um, whispered in his ear in your creepy goblin voice, (laughs) uh, threatened him with a knife at his throat. And one at his eye. And one at his eye. Yeah. Um, And kind of prevented them from entering the fight. So you didn't directly go in and fight on Yagra's behalf. Um, You just prevented it from becoming an unfair fight. Yeah. Yeah, let's keep it civil, gentlemen. (laughs) And that was something actually, as the contest wore on, that Yagra actually really appreciated about you because she is definitely one for a fight. Um... She is, she's ready for some fisticuffs and she liked that you let her fight her own battles, Mm -hmm. but you helped her by making it, you know, an honorable fight. 
Now, what was really cool about that fight, if I recall correctly, was we were able to work out that, you know, I, I needed both of my hands free to threaten this dude with my knives. And I was basically sitting on his shoulders the way a small child would ride you know their their father's shoulders you know what i mean right if you've ever seen that very common so i was basically sitting on this dude's shoulders like that but i also brought one of my legs around and hooked it under my other knee like in front of his neck not in a choking sort of thing but just sort of the way you might wrap your legs around a thick tree limb or similar to brace yourself and maintain your balance. So we, we were able to talk through that, how I was like, look, I'm not looking to make a grapple, you know, thing out of this. I'm not looking to choke him or do any damage. It's just how I'm going to hang on to him with my legs so that I can use both of my hands. So that was really cool working through that together. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Now, eventually, Yagra did sort of beat down the the leader of this little group of people. There were teeth flying, if uh, I there were. correctly. I do have specifically noted that the um, guy with the eyes on his head lost a molar and a front incisor, which you did collect. Mm. And uh, shout out to Penny Arcade. There were probably lips flying sideways. <laughs> so, you know... So they basically, Dernan, the proprietor of the yawning portal, yelled at them to get out once it was clear they were defeated, told him to stop causing trouble, get out of his bar, and everything kind of went back to normal for a bit. Yagra came over to hang out with you and have some drinks and food, and after a while, because it's the yawning portal, you have a quiet night in the awning portal, um, these flying creatures fly up from that well in the middle of the tavern, start attacking people on the different levels of the building, and then a troll climbs out of the hole. Hmm. A whole troll. The whole troll. And a lot of chaos starts to happen. Um, the troll starts smashing stuff. Shan goes to start fixing things because, you know, she's a sorcerer. She can do all sorts of fun stuff. Yagra goes to get in the fray. And your character, Laika, hopped up onto a table, took cover behind some dishes, and started working to help pick off some of these flying creatures, which you found out were Sturges. Mm-hmm. Went to work with the short bow. Yeah. As and because Dernan, seeing a troll coming out of the well, you see him pull this giant sword that's like longer than he is tall out from behind the bar, nonchalantly hop over the counter um, and stroll towards this creature. And he tells you guys to focus on the Sturges that he's got this. It was pretty cool. The way, the way he was like, this again must be second day. <laughs> <laughs> And so you guys are able to kind of work to take down these flying creatures with your ranged attacks um, as Dernan 
attacks this troll, um, douses it with oil, lights it on fire, and Sparta kicks it back down into the well. Mm-hmm. And that was our first sort of combat. It was all ranged, so you didn't get to do a lot of your roguey stuff yet. Um, but it was a good kind of warm up into it with us like playing different characters, working together in a combat. It's just switching around with um, focus yeah. on the combat from uh, a player character and an NPC and a monster kind of aspect was, was a really cool exercise. Dernan defeats the troll. Um, you and your friends help take out the Sturges. And once again, everything returns to normal <laughs> in the bar. Again, this is kind of normal happenstance for the Yawning Portal. Mm -hmm. And as things kind of get back to normal, you see um, a very kind of fancy dressed man with a delightful mustache walk into the bar, go talk to Dernan, claim that he is Dernan's friend. Dernan seems not very happy to talk to him, but kind of directs him towards your table. And what you find as he introduces himself is this is Volo. And he tells you he is a famous author. Um, he has a book that's coming out soon. So he's going to have a lot of money. Um, and he's going to use that money to pay you because he needs you to do something for him because you've been highly recommended by his friend, which Dernan very quickly corrects, not his friend, <laughs> um, multiple times. But his friend Dernan has directed him to you because you know how to find people. I do. It's my job. I'm good at it. And he asks you to find his friend Floon, who has gone missing. And he gives you 10 gold pieces up front and promises you 100 more gold pieces on completion of this task. Mm. And so you agree. And you ask um, Scratch, your Kenku friend, to accompany you to the last known location of Floon that's given to you by Volo. I do like that I agreed without agreeing. It was really uh, devious, kind of. You know, guy runs up and accuses me of being a, a bounty hunter and like is just like, not sure what you're talking about. I'm, I'm a humble goblin trying to make my way in the big city. It was a really fun exchange. Yeah, it was a, that was a fun conversation. I think it was about at that point in our game that I was like, oh, we should be recording this because mm. this is a good game. Like, wow, this is cute. <laughs> but he directs you to go to this location and you decide to go same night. Uh, it's mm -hmm. still early enough in the evening um, and where you're going, you feel like you're more likely to run into people who might know something if you're going during the busy hour, which for a bar is the evening. It, plus, I mean, as a goblin in the city and so on, I, I just tend to operate at night for the most part anyway. So, so you head out with your Kenku friend. Um, you're heading towards the docks district. Basically, there is a bar there, the skewered dragon. That's the last location that Volo saw Floon before he disappeared. And along the way, you notice a couple of interesting things. 
first, as you're kind of getting into the seedier areas of Waterdeep, you see more evidence of kind of this uptick in violence that a lot of people have been talking about here. Um, You see that the city guard have cordoned off an area and they have um, a few people kind of restrained waiting to be taken off to the prison. And you kind of sneak over to see what you can find out. And you note that they are dressed in a similar manner to the group that attacked Yagra at the, the awning portal, but they're not the same men. But the idea that there may be some sort of like factionalized gang style kind of struggle or violence that's seeing an upswing in the city right now. You know, it was a very, these guys again, hmm, starting to see a pattern emerge. And then as you continued towards the skewered dragon through the dockward, um, you did notice an interesting looking shop with like a stuffed beholder in the window and everything inside was all like purple lit. But you decided not to stop and check it out at this point because you have a mission. So you continued on to the skewered dragon. You got some snacks and some drinks, some little dried fishes. And you noted there is a bunch of like sailor dock worker types um, drinking and gambling at the tables there. And you sat down and took a seat and kind of made friends so that you could get some information. Mm-hmm. Made some nice social roles. So talking to the regulars and kind of earning their trust, especially since you don't seem like the fancy looking down your nose at them type. I mean, you're a goblin. It would be hard for you to do so. Mm-hmm. You are both short and have a tiny nose to look down. Um, they do tell you that they remember seeing both Volo and Floon drinking together a couple of nights ago at the bar. And that Volo left, but Floon stayed. And met up with another friend there. They tell you that friend's name was Renair Neverember, the son of Waterdeep's previous open lord, Daggled Neverember. Now, out of this game, you as a player may or may not recall that when we played through Horde of the Dragon Queen with our offline group, um, he was the sitting lord, open lord of Waterdeep that you guys dealt with. That does sound familiar. Mm-hmm. But they had a lot of complaints about Never Ember and his ilk, that he's not very nice to them. He kind of treats them not very well because he's rich and spoiled and knows nothing of what it is to work and, and to live hard, to live rough. And so you're able to kind of agree with them in the right places and make friendly and everything. And one of them sort of lowers his voice a bit and says, you know, they were playing three dragon ante. They left around midnight and some men followed them out. We don't know exactly where they went, but we know that there's a warehouse we've seen them hang around before. And so they kind of gave you directions to this place on Candle Lane and told you to look for the snake symbol on the door. And that 
is where we left off our first kind of section of playing the game is with you heading towards this mysterious sort of warehouse district on the in the docks district. I've gotten a lead and a clue. Yes. And I'm just making some good progress. There was a there was a big stretch of social activity where I was buying drinks and I was listening quite carefully. I was using my urban bounty hunter feature of ear to the ground mm. um, to my advantage so that I could gather all this information. It was just a blast. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So obviously this is a very truncated version of what happened. Uh, and future episodes will be actual play episodes, but we didn't want to jump into it with you not knowing what happened before we got to the warehouse. Hmm. So now Laika, the small female Pathfinder style goblin, is skulking through the alleys of this uh, area, looking for the snake symbol on the door with her Kanku druid in tow, sounds like. Yep, that's exactly where we are. Hopping along behind her, yep. moving his head very bird like fashion. Yeah, we are in. So, I mean, imagine you're in the, the docks district, a, a not so nice area of Waterdeep. Not that it's like run down necessarily, but this is, it's a working class district um, with a lot of like sailor visitors and things like that it can get a little rowdy. Um, a lot of the street lamps are smashed out, um, candles removed, things like that. And so a lot of areas are pretty dark which works to your advantage. And you're there with this like raven black bird man mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, who is, you know, hopping along behind you, looking for this specific street in the docks district, hoping to see a certain door down that alley. Man, I can't wait. All right. So... Obviously, like I said, recap episode. Next time, we'll jump right into the action with the actual play of those events. Um, and as promised, it will be with no prep of what we're getting into. <laughs> um, and uh, we're just going to kind of see how it goes. But I like the idea of this adventure. I liked how customizable it was. I got uh, Santi to pick a season so he doesn't even know what enemy he'll be facing as his big bad his baby EJ. um <laughs> but i do and i'm very excited about it i think you picked a great one um but i'm i'm really excited about this one it's playing really fun so far and i think you guys will really enjoy it and i like the idea that we're adding something campaign length to your options of what to listen to in case you have something you want to follow a little bit longer than our fireside stories get a little more investment in a in a character in a story etc yeah yeah and i feel like what we're doing with it makes it a little bit different than some of the other dragon heist plays that you may have listened to i don't know about you but this character is super lovable so i mean i, I made this character I just fell in love with her almost, like immediately <laughs> so hopefully she wins over hearts and minds the world over I think she's great. Hmm. Um, I really like her voice. And yeah. I like that since we have a Kenku NPC, I get to do her voice too. Right. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> not biased or anything, but I'm having a good time with that. Um, I do like too that as Laika gets information about different locations she may have to go to, 
she can switch up which ally goes with her. Like she can kind of use that as a strategy or a plan. It may not always work out because you don't know a lot about some of these situations you're going to be getting into. But I like the idea that you can kind of play with that a little bit as a strategy element in the game. Right. It has a Dragon Age Mass Effect kind of feel to it with swapping out, you know, your dream team as you go on various missions. All right. So obviously we're looking forward to this one. We should have um, those new actual play episodes out soon. Um, And after we get a couple of those out to you, we're going to hop right into our next fireside, which is in the Expanse RPG. Oh, man. Talk about looking forward to something. Have I I mentioned the Expanse at all on stream at all? I'm just wondering if it has ever come up. But mostly in our patron episodes. So the normies may not have heard (laughs) as much about it. (laughs) Huge, huge Expanse fanboy over here. I am almost done with Cibola Burn, a.k.a. Book 4, and obviously I'm all caught up on the show, and I was probably the most annoying person to ever watch the show with because I'm like, hmm, interesting. Oh, that's different. Oh, oh yes, mm, I see. That character's not even in the book. Oh, I see how they adjusted this <laughs> right. character to do that. Yes. I can't imagine how you, how you struggled <laughs> through that. Oh, my God. No, it's fun. Um... But yeah, so that'll be our next fireside story. So like I said, we'll kind of alternate sections. So a few episodes of the campaign, a fireside run, and then a few more episodes of the campaign in between, which gives us time because the fireside stories are something we have to do more prep for, gives us time to make sure we have everything in order to make it, you know, something you want to listen to. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish we were bigger because we could throw it out to Twitter or something like that and be like, hey guys, if, if you want to like vote on which of the crew members, you know, character type that I play in the upcoming Expanse Fireside, that would be cool and I'll totally do it. That would be interesting to see what gets picked and then also be kind of a way to random roll it, but without really random rolling it. I mean, we can do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if we get any traction or enough to decide anything, but it, it, it could be fun. Sure. No, I think we can totally do that. Um, We'll put it out to our patrons and then kick it to Twitter after our patrons have a chance to get their votes in. Sounds good. All right. So speaking of our patrons, um, if you are interested in helping us do these things, helping us make sure we can continue to make content, helping us get better internet service so that we can start doing streaming and online recording and things like that. Um, definitely check out our Patreon page. We are at patreon.com slash just barbarian things. Or if a monthly thing is not the right fit for you, there's also a list of other ways you can support us on that page. But one that will also be in the show notes this time is to our Ko-Fi page. If you would like to send us a coffee. Just Barbarian Things has a page there as well. Barbarians do love coffee. <laughs> um, and definitely, especially this week, we just want to give another huge shout out to the esoteric order of role players. Um, I posted a big old thread on Twitter. My handle's in the show notes, but it's at Barbarian Rainy. Um, just talking about how amazing they are. Not only are they like one of our favorite podcasts ever. Um, Just super cool to listen to. Lots of really fun content in 
lots of games that are less mainstream and some like really cool, dark uh, story elements there. But we had sort of a, a crazy family emergency come up. We had to very short notice drive out of town, which is why we had a delayed episode this week. Um, and like they really came through. They just sent us a ton of love and, um, you know, tipped us some coffees to offset our fuel costs to make the trip and everything and really show a lot of what this tabletop community is about, what this podcast community is about. So if you want to support a podcast that's not only super fun to listen to, but really shows what it means to be community, definitely go check out Esoteric Order of Role Players. Check out their Patreon page. Check them out on Twitter. They are super cool people. And if you're not already listening to them, you should be. I really admire them as creatives because they have this almost perfect amalgamation of what you need to work effectively in a creative space. You need, you know, equal parts don't give a fuck, but also accessibility, you know, and they, they seem to really embody that and make it look effortless. So, um, I admire that about them. And I think that that's something that anyone can enjoy. So again, definitely check them out. They gave us a really sweet shout out on their latest episode, which again, if you're not listening to their crazy World of Darkness campaign, you need to go all the way back to the beginning and listen to that. Uh, it's super good. And we're just super thankful for them and everything that they do. Um, they're, they're awesome. Agreed. <laughs> Awesomeness right. abounds. Um, yeah, so that... That's that for this one. I'm excited to jump into this because this is just a little shorty recap, but we're going to be playing this game soon and I'm actually really stoked about it. I'm looking forward to drawing her goblin daggers. <laughs> I mean, drawing them in game, but also drawing oh, you them do on like paper. Oh, you do like your weapons. <laughs> right, yeah. Yes. They're cool props. Well, until next time, barbarians, spend your rage wisely. And don't forget to use your sneak attack dice.